0: this is the author's perspective tap a show set to take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite books we will be delving into deeper conversations and let you get to know different authors whilst discussing some of the social issues affecting them we are rm publishers join us as we take you on this literary journey hi tony welcome to the author's perspective
1: Hi, Rudo, How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Good, thank you. Happy World Book Day.
1: Happy World Book Day to you. Yeah, it's nice coincidence that our interview falls on uh, World Book Day. Yeah. It's really a good sign.
0: Great. So, um, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your background?
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Tony Chihota um aka chief capone and i'm a hip-hop artist rapper uh from zimbabwe in africa and um yeah until recently i've become an author i've just written my memoirs my uh, autobiography um called the beginning and yeah it's the first hip-hop autobiography from zimbabwe i was a i'm in a group called a piece of ebony and we were pioneers in the the hip hop movement in africa in the early 90s when it uh, really hit africa and uh, we stood out because of um our african content a lot of uh, you know rappers at the time were trying to sound american uh, we decided to mix in um the mbira, which is a traditional african instrument um and marimba with our music and rap about the motherland which differentiated us us from different from all the other mcs and um, got Africa pretty much taken seriously in a different light in the hip-hop uh, world. So I've written my memoirs uh, called The Beginning About This, and that's why we are here today.
0: Great. Uh, your background is, is uh, very colorful. Um, and when I was reading your book, it says that you have Ukrainian background as well. Do you want to maybe tell us how that came about? you are okay
1: so um yes 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 so my so my father my, my my father is zimbabwean and um during the liberation struggle um you know they they they, they were in exile in uh, tanzania which which happened a lot because uh, tanzania was a safe haven for you know freedom fighters and it was also a training training ground for freedom fighters across were, you know, um, you know, fighting the Pan-African battle for, you know, for um, for independence. So my my grandmother was involved in the struggle and um, kind of when she when she got like kind of targeted by the Rhodesian forces, um, our family was forced to to go into exile in Tanzania, um, where my father now was coming of age. And, you know, he was a very good scholar. Um, and he managed to get a scholarship to go to Russia uh, to study journalism, and that's where he met my mom. Now, my mom is, at the time it was Soviet Union, so it was the same country, but um, my mom's mother was actually Ukrainian, and uh, her father was Georgian, but she was born in Russia um so yes so that's kind of it's 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 a bit confusing when we talk when you start thinking about what blood do i have rolling through my veins but um yes it's yeah that's how they met they met in um in the ussr and uh yeah my first my eldest brother was born there and then they came back to tanzania uh they got married came back to tanzania and that's where my uh myself and my uh, um my other brother steve were born and then in 1980, when there was independence in Zimbabwe, we, we managed to come back now safely. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it did. Yeah. And I grew up in post, um, from 1980 in post, uh, you know, uh, revolution Zimbabwe. And it was just a beautiful time, you know, to, 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 to be growing up in a beautiful place. I think at the time it was the best place in the world to be. So uh, my memoirs actually talk about that nostalgic, beautiful time growing up in, 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 that, in that utopia.
0: Right. So do you speak any Russian?
1: Oh, yes. So when I was, um, my, my dad, unfortunately, passed away four years later in 1984. So my mom was left widowed, um, in a, you know, in a new country, in an African country, new country um obviously she had she had been in Tanzania before and in Tanzania she had really thrived she had learned Swahili really well um she became the head of the you know she was like Julius Nyerere's personal pharmacist at one stage and um so she was really like she really took to Africa and they and Africa took to her you know um so um yeah when um, she came to Zimbabwe so she pretty much fits in and then my dad passed away in 1984 and um you know things were really tough for her um and she was doing okay i mean she's a very strong woman very uh you know um yeah yeah she's she's very industrious and uh, um but uh, the the russian the russian embassy i don't know she was talking to some friends or whatever and they had contacts and they said well you know there's this really great school in, in uh russia um it's an international school uh, uh red cross and crescent moon uh, and um, they are children of freedom fighters from all over the world where that Russia supports in their, uh, you know, in their struggles. Um, and we've got a place for your sons. Uh, initially, I was supposed to go with my older brother, Stephen, but he was a year too old for the acceptance age. So I ended up getting going to Russia alone at 10 years old. Um, I was put on a plane at Harare International Airport and... Um, And off i flew uh for five years to this boarding school in russia uh so yes i'm pretty fluent in russian um it's a bit rusty right now because i haven't spoken for a while but yeah i spent uh five years in russia came back in uh, 1990 and um, well obviously i used to come back for holidays so (laughs) um came back in 1990 and in 1991 that's when i met uh metaphysics a year later um who was Prince Kribla at the time, and we formed a piece of ebony. And then in 92, we released, and it went to number one, and we were a sensation. So, yeah, that's pretty much my history up to that point. Well,
0: the only word I
1: know is da. What was that?
0: Only word I know in Russian is da.
1: Da, yes. Well, that's good. That would get you a lot of places. But uh, I wouldn't say da to everything. You know, when you're in Russia, (laughs) you might find yourself agreeing to some very dodgy stuff. (laughs) Great.
0: Uh, So so when did you realize that you were a singer or a rapper? Like, when did you realize that you had talent?
1: Well, the thing is, I wrote my first rap um, in grade six, which was... Just after my dad passed away, it was sometime after my pa- a little, yeah, just a while after my, my dad passed away and I, I write about it in the book. It's actually a funny story that um, you know um, I, there was this situation that happened where I became kind of popular and I'd never been popular before. I was quite a you know a shy, introverted kid. And um, there was a scenario that happened. I don't want to give it too much away, but I suddenly became popular in my in my class, you know, and this is the same time when I'm kind of like coming out of mourning my dad. You know, and, um, all of a sudden I had these, There was these three popular chicks in our, in, in, in our year and they, 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 you know, all of a sudden started hanging out with me. So I was pretty much like, you know, I had three chicks around me and I was the man. Um, and then when something went wrong and this whole thing that made me famous fell apart, uh, they all left me, which. You know, and um, you know, at the time, hip hop rap had just come out. It was really old school at the time, like Run DMC and Houdini uh, groups that probably the youngsters don't even know about right now. Um, so I, I don't know if out of this, you know, kind of you know depression or frustration or whatever it was that of my girls leaving me, I wrote a rap, uh, my first rap about, and unfortunately, it's it's called sluts. Um, yeah, and uh, it was just about how. Treacherous women can be and how they can love you when you've got stuff and just leave you when you've got nothing. So that was my that was my first rap. So uh, I wrote my first rap in grade six, just a few months before I left uh, for Zimbabwe for for, for Russia. And um, when I got to Russia, obviously learning the new language and getting into that whole culture, I stopped um, writing for five years. So when I came back to Zimbabwe in 1990, it didn't take me long to uh, get back into the groove. And um, and then before I met uh, my partner, Metaphysics, I met um, uh, Hitman, DJ Hitman, Jose Singende, who is a legend in Zimbabwean radio. Um, and he was just like, you know, those days like DJs were, I think more famous, they were, they were bigger personalities sometimes than the actual musicians themselves. Being a DJ in those days was this huge thing, you know, because nobody could get music, I mean, um, you couldn't just get music like like how we do on the internet these days you know people had to have outside connections from the first world and those people had to post them uh, music you know or if they if they, if they had money they would fly and, and and bring the new music back from london or from the us uh, and and you know the postage used to take weeks sometimes months those days so we were actually very behind like a, a song would come out in, in the states and it would be it would hit zimbabwe maybe a month two months later So Hitman had his connections, obviously, and he was very talented. Uh, He had this amazing baritone voice on the radio, and he used to do uh, live shows as well. So I I met my brother Stephen. He he introduced me to um, Hitman on one of my holidays. Um, I think my my last holiday uh, that I was, uh, you know, before I came back for good. uh, He took me to this club. You know, I was really I was a really fast youngster. You know, I used to hang out with all the older kids because of my brothers and stuff. Um, so he took me to this club so there I was like 14, 15 years old in a club and um, he introduced me to the main DJ uh, DJ Hitman and me and DJ Hitman just got along so, so well, he really loved me as a little brother and when I came back, I went back to Russia and then I came back for good because the Soviet Union was crumbling now you know, um, there was the whole perestroika thing where they were changing from communism into, uh, you know, just you know, the normal uh, democratic uh, kind of um, politics and society so i came back and i hooked up with the hitman again and this time i started hanging around with him i used to carry his um his records around you know and uh you know he, he'd be playing and i'll be passing him the records he would ask me to and then i used to rap for him like when we were hanging out and stuff like that and he was like Dude, you're really good you know and you know various people were telling me that wow you're good and so one day, at one of the shows, a hitman just stopped the music, and there was like about i don't know a thousand three thousand people in the crowd and he announced to the crowd that there was this rapper from Russia called tony, and he, he, you know he, he's going to do a rap he hadn't he hadn't alerted me to the situation or anything, so I was like, "Oh no, 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 I was like panicking. I was like, "What are you doing no, no no?" And then everybody was looking at me, and the beat was like the instrumental was on and you know, I just had no choice because you know, hitman is a scary dude. You know, so <laughs> so there was the crowd on one hand, and then there was hitman on the other. And I looked around and I thought, wow, you know, who's worse, the crowd or hitman? So I decided to take my chances with the crowd. So I just grabbed the microphone. Uh, I asked him to rewind the beat, which had been going for a few minutes already, and. And uh, I started rapping and next thing, everybody was screaming, the girls were screaming and everybody was just waving their hands in the air, dancing. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I can do this. And I really started going for it now. And from that, from that day, there, there was no turning back. A few months later, I met Metaphysics um, and we formed a piece of Ebony and the rest is history. Yeah, so I
0: was going to ask you about the, a piece of Ebony. So, why was that like starting that movement and where is it
1: now? No, it was really awesome. You know, it was really awesome. The Zimbabwean people just really took to it. Like, you know, we just became a household name, like within, within a week of being on radio. Nobody had done what we had done. Um, we hooked up with this producer called Keith Parkinson. Now, he was, um, he was a, a member of uh, Ilanga. Before piece of ebony. Now Ilanga was a super band in Zimbabwe. For those who don't know, um, in the 80s uh, and in the, into the yeah 90s, early 90s, I think they disbanded. Um, they had just disbanded when when we when we actually met uh, Keith Parkinson. Now Keith Parkinson was a white producer who was like in this black band, and uh, um, he yeah he really knew. He was a he's a master keyboard player basically uh and he you know those days it was really hard to get studio time in zimbabwe so you know it was very expensive not not, not just anybody could afford it um so he opened his own studio and uh we, we met him and we went in and we talked and we started rapping and you know put the beat on and he's, and we were really feeling it so he was like look guys uh, let's try and do an album. I'll record you guys for free. Um, so there we were, and um, a few months, I think about two songs into the thing, we were at this ice cream parlor. We, we met Chioniso Maraire, who was like 15 at the time. I was 16. Um, and Meta was maybe 17, I think. Uh, and we met Chioniso Maraire, who um, had just come back from America. Um, Chioniso, for those who, people who don't know, is... Um, Mbira legend. She went on to become a Mbira legend. Her father was a Mbira legend, um, Tumisani uh, Maraire. He introduced Mbira to the U.S. and, um, you know, uh, made it global. So she was his daughter and, and then just come back to live in Zimbabwe. And we met Chioniso and we really, really got along with her. And once we heard her sing and once she told us she could play Mbira, exactly what we were looking for um, because we had decided that we wanted to go African in our content, in our sound. And there she just arrived and, you know, fresh. And she agreed. She was like, yes, I'd love to join you guys. And when she came into the studio, our whole music, you know, it really changed now. She played Nbira and we put a hip hop beat onto that and we started rapping about the motherland and, uh, you know, it just all gelled together. So when we released that stuff, the Zimbabwean people just loved it and then internationally once you know it it started hitting BBC and all that they loved it too and then South Africa just went crazy and they offered us a deal um so it was it was amazing you know um just going into those heights never expected it to just take off like that but it did and yeah that's where the kind of that African style of hip-hop was born um yeah, you asked me how I, how it is now. I mean, I think we inspired a lot of artists to uh, not be afraid to, you know, um, put African, you know, be African on their in, in their art and in their music. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's come this far and now psh, African music is on top of the world. So I'd like to think that we might have a tiny little, you know, to do with that. So, yeah. Hi,
0: from Chonesa Marayere and... um. Who, who stands out for you of all the people that you have worked with so far?
1: Um, yes, obviously, Chioniso. Chioniso was amazing. She was so versatile, you know. Um, she was so versatile. She could rap. Like how we met her was, we Meta and I were rapping like in a, in a, in a cypher uh, with all these rappers, you know. We used to congregate at places and, you know, everybody would start rapping. Uh, and it was just dudes. And then, you know, this one day we were rapping and this amazing beatbox came out of nowhere, like boom, cat, boom, boom, you know what I mean? So everybody was looking around, you know, where's this sound coming from? And we couldn't see who was doing it. And the crowd parted and Chiwaniso was really short and petite. So we, the crowd parted and we looked down and it, it was coming from Chiwaniso. And we were like, wow, that's how we first met her. And then she started rapping and then she started singing and then she's playing Bira and like, oh my God, you know, this is just like, Phenomenal, you know. Um, I've, I've worked with a lot of people. Lost Boys, um, uh, Mr. Cheeks, they were a really big band in the 90s of, from the States. They were like number one in the world. Um, um, the Lost Boys, uh, I, I I met, and he was like one of my favorite, you know, icons of hip-hop. And I had the pleasure of meeting and opening. Yeah. Yeah, so, and,
0: yeah. I,
1: and I chilled. Him and we got along big time, and it was so amazing. I mean, I love Mr. Cheeks is just a legend, and that you know I worked with him. So he, I would say, probably you know uh, he's the man. Um, but but I must say as well on this interview, the greatest person to work with is actually my current partner, and that's Metaphysics uh, Prince Quila. We've uh, put piece of ebony together again, and um, he to me is like probably one of the best rappers in the world. But you know, um. And uh, yeah, just to have him by my side, and he, you know, he makes me a better rapper as well. Because when he busts something, I'm like, yes, you know. I, hey, I, got, <laughs> I got, I, got a stand with this as well. So it really pushes me to, to, to be better as well. So yeah, my boy, boy, metaphysics. That's my, that's my boy. Shout out.
0: Fantastic. So since you launched your book, uh, what has the reception been like for it?
1: Um. You know everybody that has read the book uh, is just loves it, you know what I mean and I, I don't know, I'm not trying to boast or whatever, but when I wrote it myself, I, I sat and I sat back and I, I just looked at it and I was just like, dude, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I gotta say that I really outdid myself on this one, you know. Um, so I mean a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, that's the thing. Is that uh, I'm not really strong at marketing and all that, and I never, you know, never done the book thing before. So it hasn't really reached the people. It hasn't had reviews or anything like that. And that's why I'm hoping you guys are really going to get it out there to the people. Uh, because once you read this book, I mean, it's it's just got everything in it. You know, it's just so eclectic that even when people ask me what is your book about, it's hard for me to 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 to, to you know to explain it to put it into a genre. It's just got it's, it's got everything in it. If you're looking for comedy, if you're looking for historical, um, you know, if you're looking for nostalgia, if you're looking for uh, whimsical, if you're looking for uh, a crime thriller, if you're looking for music and entertainment and glitz and glamour, if you're looking about, you know, failure, addiction, redemption, it's all there, you know. Because um, at the end of the day, it is actually about my new beginning. And, um, you know, I'm two years sober right now. And that's one of the reasons why um, you, you see that piece of ebony. I mean, we disbanded a long time ago, but you'll notice that I hadn't done anything in so long. is because for so long in my life after that, I was, um, you know, I fell into the addiction uh, of alcohol and drugs and just, you know, the street life. And, you know, I really, really fell off until I hit rock bottom. And uh, up until two years ago, I decided I, you know, I, I made the move to get clean, and thank God, um, I managed to do so. And I'm, I'm here two years sober. And I actually wrote the book while I was in rehab, and while I was, you know, what I mean, just uh, you know, renewing, renewing my whole life, you know, putting it back together. So that's why it's also called the beginning. Yeah. And that you've
0: taken that step. Um... But also, coming back to how you've written the book, there's some places where if it sounds like poetry as well. So it's like a mixture of everything, like you said, in one book. Um, but how long did it take you to put the book together? How long did it take you to put your book together
1: So um you know my I, my rehab stint was uh pretty much 6 months I did not um I did not move out of I had to do it at home because I couldn't afford the traditional rehab you know rehab here in Africa is very expensive it's for rich people you know the government does doesn't have you know um mm-hmm. The state doesn't have that facility, um, so so I couldn't afford rehab. But luckily, you know, when my parents found out that I was really serious about it, they said, "Okay, well, you can do it here. You know, uh, come back home and do your rehab here. Don't worry about you know food or lodging or whatever. We'll t- take care of that as long as you're serious." So I my, I was lucky. I was lucky to have that, and I luck Well, I didn't go out of my gate for six months. You know, because I knew that if I just stepped out of my gate, I'd meet all the homies and and that would be the end of it. So, that six months, I was just there and I was just writing. Um, After six months, I felt, you know, strong enough. uh, And then that, but then still, I was very much uh, a a recluse by that time. And um, then I started uh, the editing process, which took another, I think, six to seven months. Um, my editor is uh, a lovely lady called, uh, Penny Lumley. Um, and she, and, and I, me, yeah, she and I, we, we started working on the editing together at first when, at first, when I got the first edit from her, um, you know, a friend of mine who is also an author, Gordon Wallace, uh, he put me onto her, um, cause you know, I got in touch with him and I was like, dude, congratulations on your books. Guess what? I started writing a book too so he was like yeah okay so listen finish your manuscript and when you're done with that i will put you in touch with my editor and then you guys can take it from there um and yeah so penny and i started working together online and um you know when i first yeah i I always laugh at this because when she sent me back the first draft i like pretty much fired her i was like (laughs) you know you know i felt like my book had been you know just completely the soul had been ripped out of it or whatever, you know, it just, I just, nah, no, this is not my book. Um, cause of the slangs and the what, what it, it had, it had to have a certain, you know, texture and feel to it, you know? Um, so yeah, I did that. I was, I called it up and, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, you know, I think I'm just going to, you know, do this alone and blah, blah. And so that really put me on a bit of a downer, and, uh, you know, but then about maybe about two three weeks later, I, I decided to take another look at it. So I put my manuscript uh, and hers on the same, you know, on my laptop. And then I started like really going line for line, scrolling down, like really fine combing it. And that's when I realized, you know, that, wow, this woman has just like really done a lot of work on this, which I, you know, I didn't notice at first. So I called her back and I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And if you'll have me Back, uh please can we work together? And she was like, sure, sure, sure. And I think she maybe she might have you know had that before, you know. So uh then we really started, and then I but then I said, But I think that we should really just bounce back back and forth. And then we started really now getting into the groove. And she she would do her thing and pass it back to me, and I'll do my thing and pass it back to her. And we edited each other until both of us were just like really, really happy with the with, with the final product. And that's when we decided to yeah go for, for it and publish.
0: It, you really did a good job and you did a good job as well uh, because it reads very well. So I just wanted to maybe the part that I, I had, I was interested in reading more was about the price of film. What have you learned then in terms of what film can do to you as an artist?
1: yeah that you right yes the currency of fame uh, is is the chapter um, so yeah no i mean i, I pretty much I, I pretty much said in 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 that chapter of how fame uh comes with you know with the, with the lifestyle you know what i mean with a certain lifestyle and in certain types of music it's uh you know more you know so you just have to i just learned that you just have to watch out you know um for the lifestyle you know you have to be grounded um and just realize that you know that time is something that you can never get back you know so with the currency of fame i say that uh you know time and um you know discipline uh, you know must 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 be in 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 cahoots with each other they must be on the same must realize that your time is running out and your discipline has to be in check, you know, all the time. So that's pretty much the message that I'm trying to get out. That I was trying to, you know, get out to aspiring musicians uh, in that in in that whole part of the book, you know, uh, you know, is that um, you just 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 to stay grounded and know that you know you're not you're not gonna have this moment forever, you know, and you really have to seize it and be serious about it, you know. So, so do- that's what I've learned. And now, now I'm, I'm, I'm really serious about it and yeah, I, I always, I'm always looking out for the distractions and avoiding them.
0: Awesome. And did you re- recently, um, release a song with Sulemani Chimbetu as well?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, so, um, when I was writing the book um i was getting to the end i realized you know i at first i thought it was the 25th kind of year since the piece of ebony so i i, I got I, I was getting in touch uh kind of but i got back in touch seriously with he was in germany and i was like dude uh I'm 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 in rehab I've started writing a book and hey you know our you know our anniversary big anniversary coming up how about you know what i mean um getting together and you know getting get, getting some new music done and celebrating our anniversary and he was like yeah you know but at the time i think he was like yeah okay you know he's never he's never left my side even through the tough times but i think he in his mind he must have been like oh here here here's tony again he's going to you know uh, he's giving it another batch. Because, I, you know, I was always on and off throughout my time. Of, I've always tried to, like, you know, stop. But, you know, I always end up getting back to it. So, yeah. But until he really saw, I think there's a stage when now when the book was almost finished and, you know, and all that. He really started getting into it for real. And we decided at the time, I thought it was our 25th year. And my sister actually, um, she was like, dude. You, it's not your 25th anniversary, it's your 30th anniversary of Peace of Ebony coming up. I was like, what? <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. I, so, so that was big. So now I knew definitely we got to do this big. Um, and then, um, yeah, time to release the book, to launch the book. Uh, and then Meta and I started working, he started sending me, uh, you know, instrumentals. And you know, sometimes with his rap already on it, and then I would go to this. I got I got the equipment, my own equipment, and I built a studio. Um, and um, I started just doing my raps in the studio and sending them back to Germany, and he would mix them up. Um, so yeah, the Sulu song actually came. He had already he had already done the beats, and he's, he had put his rap on, and I had put my rap on. So by the time we approached Sulu, we already had like a demo, um, you know for him and he do this and now history as piece of ebony um you you know really got 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 him like you know picked and interested and uh, um uh the song uh and we did a video for it and my book came out um and then a couple of months i think a month later the song came out and it was really, really well-received. It went up to uh, number six on the radio. Um, yeah, we. we I, I think we could have got to number one, but it was a time when Higher Emoji and Burner Boy uh, and all these huge, huge acts had just released there. So we got up to number six and uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's as far. But for a group that hadn't released anything for 30 years, number six... Um, you know, national radio was, uh, yeah, yeah. Couldn't ask for, for anything better uh, than that for our first comeback single. So yeah, we decided. You know, there was there was. You know, it's a no brainer that we just put piece of ebony back together again, and just do it for real. Um. Also, also, it's a good time because rap rappers from the nineties are actually even in the states are making a big uh resurgence.
0: Mm.
1: He was at the same time as us. Um, Wu-Tang Clan is back, uh, you know, everyone, Ice Cube, you know, Death Row Records is back, you know, with Snoop Dogg. So uh, representing Africa as we did in the 90s, uh, we're going to represent that again uh, with Piece of Ebony. So another interesting thing is um, chengeto who is Chioniso's daughter, with Andy Brown, who was also in Ilanga, um, is also now become uh, a star in uh, you know globally and in Zimbabwe as well. Um, and uh, you know we decided to do a track with her as well which has just come out about two weeks ago called Trina. Uh it's an abbreviation of, of trying to Trina, uh T-R-Y-N-A and um, we yeah we've just done a song with her we're just finishing up the video and that's coming out soon and she sounds like so she plays a mirror like Chi she looks like Chioniso it's like really uh, we approached her and we weren't sure that she would want to do Something with the with the old valleys with the old dudes, but she was like, "Yes, you know, let's do it." Um. So yeah, it's uh that's the project that we're on right now, and it's really really exciting. It's our tribute to Chuaniso in in a big way, and it couldn't have happened, you know, better and with a better person than a daughter. That which is all these signs are just like you know, you know, they just they just make you think that wow, you know, this is really that this is really what's meant to be you know and that pushes us you know to just you know make sure that we do this for real
0: i suppose our audience are in for a real treat are we going to hear a snippet from
1: china um you mean like now Size, no Fu how toxic goes by you know me better than I know my No strengths and weakness's no lie. It's no lie This is a spiritual moment I'm high play me your song the tears I cry wishing it could last forever bye bye but the truth could be told here yeah, for both sides um, In
0: your book you say that you're on a long and tireless journey towards a spiritual, mental and physical recovery and we want to wish you all the best with the book. And it sounds like you're already doing uh, more with the book anyway, and in terms of the music coming out and getting out there as well. Do you have any final words?
1: Yes, um, the, I've actually've record, recorded I've uh, recorded and narrated the um, audiobook, which is now the first hip-hop audio book to come out of Africa. Um the beginning, the book is actually the second uh, autobiography. Somebody in South Africa did theirs before me. But the audiobook is definitely the first out of Africa. So you know, I mean I, I like my first, I like to be a pioneer in the things that I do. Um, so the audiobook is coming out and it's a musical. So I narrate, I tell the story, but the music comes in at the at, you know at the at the relevant points. The, the actual songs come in. So you get all the stuff from like my first rap that I wrote in, in primary school to the piece of Ebony stuff, to the stuff that we're doing now and new stuff as well, you know, and all the stuff we did in between. So it's a musical audio book, you know, which is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's done already and just waiting to publish it. Uh, yeah, hopefully with you guys and see what's what, what how, how that hits. So look out for the audio book from the beginning and, um, just like to say, uh, yeah, everybody out there, peace, love, and respect. You know what I mean. Look out for the signs, uh, and uh, the distractions. Follow your dreams, and uh, yeah, never get sidetracked, and just believe in what you do. Love it, and the people around you. Take care of them. The people you create with. Uh, be fair, and and be good to each other. Um, yeah.
0: Fantastic. That's
1: about it. Yeah, thank you.
0: And we wish you all the best with your book.
1: Thank you so much, Rudo. And thank you so much to RM publishers for giving me this shot. Uh, Enough respect.